Thank you, Kyle, for helping us get ready for worship. Uh, you do that in such a, uh, a wonderful way, so we thank you for it. Uh, welcome to all of you for uh, worship this morning. As you can tell, a part of the family is gathered, and most of it is scattered uh, in many different places. Uh, even our pastors were not able to make it today. They got something called vacation, um, which uh, I guess theologically we say it's Sabbath time where you have rest for the body, refreshment for the spirit, and renewal of the mind. So we'll pray that all three of those dynamics are going on for them. Uh, I want to say a special welcome to uh, Cap Johnson, pastor and professor, who will be uh, 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 giving us our uh, sermon for the day, our pulpit time. Um, one of the few people I know who can uh, live both in the world of business and the world of religion and is trying to help them to come together in new and, and effective ways. So thank you for your leadership this morning. And then for our worship this morning, we've got a very beautiful um, litany put together, which is going to be kind of a dialogue between prayer and our hymn singing. And we thank Kyle for putting together the, uh, the uh, way in which the rhythm of that will work. So uh, please notice for your parts that when you pray, you pray, and when you sing, sing as if you're still praying. Okay? So God bless our worship today. Glory to you, almighty God. You spoke and light shattered darkness. Order rose from confusion. On the work of your hands, and declare that it is good. And still you speak, breathe and look for us. For you make all things new. Glory to you, Jesus Christ. You met us as a refugee, a threatened child, the Word made flesh, born in a forgotten place. You saved us by kneeling at our feet, stretching your arms wide to take away our sins, and walking through death and still you meet, call, and save us. We praise you, for you make all things new. 
Glory to you, Holy Spirit. You brooded over chaos, mothering and shaping God's new creation. And still you brood over, inspire, and liberate us. We praise you, for you make all things new. Glory to you, God, three in one. You are surrounded by the song of the saints in heaven, and you are present with us now. We praise you, but behold, you made all things new. pray together. Almighty God, you give us the joy of celebrating our Lord's resurrection. Give us also the joy of life in your service and bring us at last to the full joy of life, life through your Son, Jesus Christ, through whom you make all things new. Amen. You may be seated. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 9. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, dear friends. Well, uh, welcome back. Well, actually, that's to me. I, I don't know if you know, but I've been gone for 14 months at Gonzaga University in Spokane and arrived um, uh, Tuesday night at 11 o'clock, and uh, it is good to be home, and it's good to be with you this morning. I served 22 years in a parish, and um, one of the things I concluded is that adult Bible study was a lot like a community college. 
because you know at the beginning of the semester you can't find a parking spot, right? Go to Moorpark College in a few weeks and you, you, there's just no place to park. But by the end of the semester you can drive right up to your class. And, and what I found in my Bible studies is that when they would begin, I mean there, there, was, there were no seats available. It would, it would just pack. And then by the end, uh, well, let me just say that uh, there was plenty of room. Now, I don't know if that's a comment about me and my teaching or whether it's a comment about what we were talking about, but, but I'll tell you what, it was texts like today's text that would drive us all crazy. I, uh, I, I remember very vividly, I, I started a, uh, a study of Bonhoeffer's life together at my last congregation, and we had about 20 people uh, kind of show up, and I, so I ordered all the books, you know, and and handed him out, and we talked about the background of Bonhoeffer and background of his work in the 30s, and then later on uh, when he was uh, forced out of the University of Berlin and, and gave the whole kind of story. And then we started reading the text, Nachfolge, right? Discipleship. And um, we started having to address texts like the one that we heard Lauren read this morning. And people started getting uncomfortable. Because every time I look at a text like this, I get very uncomfortable. Uh, because uh, when you look at Jesus' words, um, you know, I can't bury my dad. I can't say goodbye to my family. What, what, what's, what's that all about? And as we were studying Bonhoeffer, and he was, he was, he was exegeting these texts, and he would say things like, you know, uh, neither um, virtue or vices avail for anything save Christ alone. Well, what does that mean we would talk about? And I had, in this particular Bible study, I had a number of freshly minted grandmothers. And so their families are in the position where they were starting to produce grandchildren. And, 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 and when we get a text like this and say, well, could you, could you, you know, give up your family for Jesus. And they would say, my husband, okay. <laughs> but they say, well, what about the grandkids? Well, why would I have to do that? I said, well, I mean, I, you know, are you willing to give up your grandkids for Jesus? And, and as we started raising these really hard questions, which I don't, I'm not suggesting there's an answer, but as we're raising these hard questions, all of a sudden attendance started to shrink. And I remember going to them and saying, Jim, you know, I'm missing in the Bible study. And you know what? They were really honest. They were saying, it's too hard. I said, what do you mean it's too hard? It, what, what Bonhoeffer, in this case, was saying, it's just too hard. I don't want to have to think about this. I said, you know, I enjoy my grandkids. Oh, okay, well, I, I, I understand that. I'm just raising the question. But they were very, very honest. And, and a lot of the challenge was, is that it was just too hard. And the reason why we have this text this morning is because today is the Feast of St. Dominic, the, or the uh, founder of the Dominicans, the Order of Preachers, and this was the, one of the texts that was selected for today. And so when I, I saw that, I mean, you know, pardon my Norwegian, but I said, damn. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like, it's like, because this is a hard text. And, and somebody says, well, do you take the Bible seriously? And I said, no, I take Aristotle seriously. The problem with the Bible, it makes a demand on my life. That's the problem. And that's the problem with a text like this, that it makes a demand on my life. And that was the problem of reading Costa Discipleship with my congregation, that he was making demands, demands that were not theoretical, but demands in which he lived out in his own life. 
that he ultimately paid his own life for. And, and, and that's, that's really, really, really hard. And so when we read a text like this, what I'm, when I'm struck by it is, is first, it's the innocuous someone. You know, it says, well, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, someone, just, you know, walking along, and they saw Jesus and said, oh, by the way, I will follow you. You know, what, just a sudden, you know, touch of the Holy Spirit? You know, guy goes, oh, you know, you know, wherever you go, it's not so, wherever you go, I, I will follow you. Jesus says, hey, fine, you know. Foxes have holes and birds in the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no way to lay his head. Now, that's really an interesting comment for me right now because returning from Gonzaga University, which is a Jesuit university, I stayed in, uh, my residence was called the Ministry Institute, which is a series of, of uh, homes that have been converted into residences for religious folks and others who are at, sabbat uh, at Gonzaga doing sabbatical or studying for advanced degrees. And so I got to know uh, people from around the world, and I, I do mean around the world, and, and many of them were Roman Catholic priests and, and uh, sisters, and, and of course the Jesuits. And one of the things that's kind of interesting is that, is that we would have these con conversations about this idea that we have no place to lay our heads, right? There's these these vows of poverty, right? And so I remember uh, Father Bucci, who's a Jesuit from Nigeria, would invite me over to the Jesuit house for lunch. And uh, think of a three-star hotel. That's a Jesuit house, okay? Three-star hotel. You walk in, very nice. Uh, there, there are, there's a staff to kind of take care of things. Uh, and you go into the food bar where you have uh, for breakfast a breakfast bar and a lunch bar and then a dinner bar. You go into a dining area, very, very nice dining area, and everybody's sitting around, very Oxford-esque, you know. They don't allow smoking, so there weren't any pipes. But And then you go into the sitting area and, and whatnot. And I said to Bucci, I said, man, I said, if this is poverty, I can't wait to see chastity. <laughs> no, I wasn't kidding. I mean, I really, I, I wasn't kidding. I'm saying, by, by Bucci, this is poverty? You know, do they do your laundry? Yes. Do they make your beds? No. Ah, okay. You know, or like with, with Father Jim from the Philippines, we were, we were talking about his studies um, at Gonzaga, and uh, yeah, you take, you know, you take these vows of, of poverty, and, and I said, so what do you have to worry about? He said, what do you mean? I said, what do you have to worry about? Who pays your tuition? Uh, the bishop. Oh. Who pays your room and board? Uh, the bishop. Who pays for your books? bishop. How about when you travel, the bishop? Well, how do you get all the cash? I have a credit card. He had a $2,000 on his credit card, and, and, then, and then if the card needed to be paid down, he would call the controller in, in Manila and say, hey, you need to pay the credit card. And we would have these very honest conversations. And I said, I said so now when you go back to your parish, I said, because um, he has a new parish now, and in fact, he just left yesterday, and we were talking, and, and his parish is located in the gated community, but, his, but it, that's what the church is, but it involves also very poor neighborhoods. So they have a chapel in the poor neighborhood, okay? And so he, he fluctuates between these two. I said, so what do you have to worry about? He said, nothing. I said, and so what, do, so I said, so what does it mean to be poor? What does it mean to not have a place to stay? I, I mean, if we were to really, you know, really look at this and say, my goodness, am I really capable, not willing, but am I really capable, not to go and do it, but I mean, are you really, ca are we, am, I, am I capable 
to confront it? Am I, am I capable of looking at this text? And that's why I said, damn. I mean, it's like, ah, oh, I have to think about it again. I have to address this. I have to, you know, I have to be willing um, to say, okay, Dad, I can't bear you. You know, I buried Dad three years ago. God, can you imagine getting ready to, for Dad's funeral? And Jesus says, oh, by the way, I want you to go over here. I'd say, well, Dad's waiting there at the narthex at Holy Trinity. I mean, if I'm not there, they'll wonder. He says, yeah, I understand. Let the dead bury the dead. Hmm. Hmm. These texts makes a demand on our life. I am not going to stand here and presumptuously tell you what that means for you or what that's going to mean when you leave this place tomorrow or the next day. All I can share with you is that the word is out there and the word we have to confront and the word we have to deal with and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and our own relationship with Jesus that helps us grapple with texts like this. And I do the same. I did the same in thinking about this text. I do the same when I leave here today and, and as I get ready for, next, for this fall and those sorts of things. And as I'm talking with, uh, with Jim, we talk long and hard about these kind of issues. And really, really, what does it mean to be a discipleship and what, what are the risks we're willing to take? And, and my attitude always was, Lord, don't ask, please. Not because I, I won't be able to do it, because I don't know. I, I don't know until I'm faced with it. And, and, and my hope and my prayer is that I can do it, but I don't know. I mean, i got a one-year-old grandson in my house. I'm going to say goodbye to Radic and say, hey, I'm going to go follow Jesus. Hope you grow up to be a nice big boy. What will my other grandchildren say? What, what will my spouse say? Well, I know what my spouse would say, but what would my kids say, right? What would my kids say? would say, Dad, what are you doing? Well, I'm following Jesus. What do you mean? I don't know. See, I, I, I don't know. But that's discipleship, and that's what I would call the crisis of discipleship. That's the challenge of discipleship. In a sense, that's what these texts kind of ask us to address, address every day. And, you know, um, you know, maybe someday I'm, I'm going to get that call. I don't, know, I don't know. But if I do, pray for me. Pray for me that I have the courage, um, that I have the faith, um, that I have uh, the will uh, not only to preach, uh, but to follow. Amen. I should stand for our prayers and our closing hymn, please. Let us pray. Spirit of God, we ask that you would renew us this day and continue to make all things new. Among the streets of business and in places of healing and learning, renew the world. Among the budding orchards and in the crashing waves of the ocean's grandeur, renew creation. Among the tired and broken people, renew the world. Among all people gathered here at this university today to learn, to play, and to work, renew us. Lord, in your mercy. Your good and caring presence is within us, around us, and above us. We ask that you would surround those in need with your abundant grace. We pray for healing and comfort for Jarvis Streeter, Myung-Sung Klassen, as they battle cancer. We pray for their families and friends who offer their care and love, signs of your gracious care. 
We pray for Peter Carlson as he grieves the death of his mother. Help us in the midst of things we cannot understand. Trust that you are for us and that nothing in life or in death lies beyond your love. Lord, in your mercy. As we return to our daily work at the university, within our community, and among those we love in our homes, we ask that you would bless us, bless the work of our hands and hearts, that we might be instruments of your love and grace this day. And as the world groans in pain and injustice, use us to be a part of the healing you desire for all people. This we ask in your name. Amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. May the Holy Spirit surprise you along the way. May Christ Jesus be your company and the Spirit lift up your life. Amen and thanks be to God.